All right, good morning. How are we doing this morning? Great to see you guys. Now, I know today is a spiritual letdown for a lot of you, because with two overtimes, there was a whole lot of praying happening yesterday during some football. I know, I know. God forsaked me and did not answer my prayers. Uh, so I had to deal with two Miami fans this morning, so uh, life's good, let me tell you. We're glad that you're here. We're starting a new series that may offend or shock you a little bit. We're talking about busting hell wide open. All right, that's what we're going to be talking about in the next five weeks. And I'm excited to share this with you. The good news is I've got only one verse to share with you today. When's the last time that happened, right? That sounds like we can, you know, condense this thing up pretty good. The bad news is I'm really passionate about this one verse. So that may not bode well for your lunch plans, no. Uh, no, uh, in fact, I got away for a little while this week and did some extra praying and reading, and I feel like the prophet Jeremiah, and he said in, uh, in early in the book of Jeremiah, he said, there's a message that God has put in me and it's burning in my bones. And I says, I, I got to get it out and woe to me. If I could get it out, I can hold it no more. And I'll be honest with you. That's how I feel this morning. I'm already fired up. <laughs> I'm already fired up, uh, so I'm excited to share this with you this morning about what I believe God's wanting to talk to our church about. Um, if you were to go to any normal average church and ask 20 different people that go to that church and say, hey, what is the church all about? What's the purpose of the church? Why does the church exist? To be honest, you may get 20 different answers. You might get 20 different answers. Uh, if you went around this church and asked, why does this church exist? I would hope it would be a little bit better than that. But I still think there'd be a little bit of a shotgun effect to say, why is the church here? What are we trying to accomplish? What is our purpose? And what are we going? Well, we're going to try to answer that question, but it's not going to be my answer. It's going to be someone else's answer as we answer that this morning. Uh, but you might say, well, that wouldn't surprise me at all if we had a lot of different answers. Because every time you, you make the mistake of asking into the backseat, hey, where do y'all want to eat? You ever many people back there, that's how many answers you get? Hey, what movie do y'all want to go see? Oh, man, I quit asking that. Here's where we're going. This is the movie. And here's the time. Get in the car. All right? So you ask that question, you get lots of different answers. But that's, you know, that's just life. That doesn't really matter. I can put up with Taco Bell. I can eat Waffle House once in a while. I can live with that. But when it comes to something important like the purpose of God's church, we need to be crystal clear on what it's all about. So I'm excited to share that with you this morning. Um, and what this picture we're going to see from Christ himself of what the church is all about, it might shock you, and it's a little different than you might think and what the church is all about. Uh, I don't know if you know this, but this is the closest Sunday to it. This is our seven-year anniversary as a church. Crossroads. Yeah. Seven years ago, October 1st, uh, 2006, we had our first service in the rec center. And uh, it's been a wild, amazing, God-provoked journey. And it's, it's been awesome to watch him to work. And, and for the past seven years, what we've said is we want to do church the way Jesus did his ministry. We want to do things that Jesus did. When he reached out to the hurting and needing, that's what we want to do. And when he took time with the disciples and poured into them and helped them grow, we want to do that. And so we said for seven years, let's do it the way Jesus did. But I'll be honest with you, I believe like God has been challenging me and our key leadership to get a more specific and more clear vision for what that's supposed to look like. 
more specific, more clear, more focused approach to what we're supposed to be doing. And my prayer has been, God, what is it you want from this church at this time and in this place? What is it you want? And I believe he's answered that prayer. And he's showing us what it's all about. So if you've got your Bible, turn with me to Matthew chapter 16 and start in verse 18. It's only one verse, Matthew 16, 18. And you can turn there. And uh, I'm going to tell you what I believe God wants from this church. Okay, what he wants from Crossroads Church in Jefferson, Georgia, 2013, here's what he wants. And just to set the scene, Jesus had, um, he had taken his disciples away to a remote place. And he had said, listen, guys, uh, I heard a lot of people talking about who they think I am. Who do you think I am? And they gave him some opinions of what other people were saying. And then Peter says, but I believe you're the Christ, the son of the living God. Wow. And he says, you're right. Peter. And then he tells tells him this right here. And I tell you that you are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church. And the gates of Hades or hell will not prevail against it, will not overcome it. See, what's important about what Jesus said right there, you can, there's a lot of theological things going on there. We could talk about a lot of different things, but really what's most important about what Jesus is saying in this passage is what the church is supposed to be about, what it's supposed to do and what it's supposed to be. And, and a very clear understanding of reading this passage, what Jesus is saying is simply this, the church is at war. We are at war. We are at war, and we are supposed to overwhelm the gates of hell as the church. Now, is that a different picture than you envisioned a church being? Jesus says, my church will overwhelm the gates of hell. Am I reading it wrong? Is there any other interpretation of that? Jesus said it, and that's what he said. And last time I checked, this is so cool, gates don't move too well. And gates don't make much of a weapon, do they? So the picture Jesus is painting is simply this. We are on the offensive, and Satan and his minions and his team is on the what? Defensive. They're hiding behind gates, and we are attacking those gates, and we're going to overcome those gates, and we're going to demolish those gates. That is God's picture of the church. That's Jesus' definition. I don't feel at liberty to change it. I'm not sure any of us should feel at liberty to change that definition. I mean, if that's what he said the church is supposed to be about, you know what that means? It means it's not a lot of other things that we think it's about. It's not about us being comfortable. It's not about us liking the music necessarily. It's not about us liking the preaching necessarily. Don't say anything. It's not about everything being exactly the way we want it. It's about us moving forward with with Jesus Christ in in the front of the pack, leading the charge. I mean, he's doing his best um, Captain America impersonation. He's got his shield out, and he he has taken hell by storm. And all he is looking, he's looking around behind, and he's looking, which church, which group of people is going to follow me to the gates of hell and take people captive from there and rescue them and bring them back home? That's who he's looking for. And my question is that us. Are we that church? Are we that group of people? Is that going to be us? Is that going to be our story? 
I think it is. I believe that's what he's asking us to do. That's what I want to do. If we never got a building, hear me really clear. If we never landed somewhere, but we were able to rescue this community from hell, mission accomplished. Okay? Y'all just fired me up. (laughs) Sorry. All right, back to my notes. (laughs) Jesus used this word church twice, only two times in all the Gospels. This blew me away. You think Jesus would talk about the church a lot, right? He talked about disciples a lot. And then he said, when you get a bunch of disciples and you put them together, then you got the church. He only talked about the church two times. It was this passage right here, and it was in Matthew 18. The word ecclesia, it's, he kind of coined it, and we've used it ever since. Paul picked it up and used it. He said, the church is really just two things. In Matthew 18, he says, uh, when you've got conflict with each other, you've got to get along, and you've got to work it out and, and, and come to terms with each other. And then he says, the church is on the offensive, beating down the gates of hell and rescuing you people that are behind those gates and bringing them back into the light, bringing them back to life, bringing them back to purpose, bringing them back to joy. So if you combine those two ideas of what Jesus said is quit your bickering, work out your conflict, and then get back to attacking. That is all the church is about, according to Christ. I think we make it a lot more complicated than that. So the question is, how are we doing? How are we doing? I think that's a legitimate question. Seven years in, how are we doing at, at attacking the gates of hell? Can I tell you something? We're doing better than most. We're doing better than most. As I've sat down, I've realized we're doing better than most. 85% of churches in North America are either plateaued or dying. I don't know if you realize that. Either either they're stuck or they're declining. 15% are growing. And most of them are not growing by conversion. Most of them are growing as they suck other people from other churches. Our church is growing. By the grace of God, it's growing. Isn't that good? It's growing. Now, I can also tell you this. In seven years, we've seen about 100 people put their faith in Jesus Christ who had no faith in Christ. Now, that's worth celebrating. That's good. That's a good thing. And that's, some churches don't lead anybody to faith all year. So we're doing better than most. We have, we have some very committed people that are taking this thing very seriously and saying, listen, I want to be a part of that charge and storm the gates of hell. I mean, for seven years, we've had people that were very committed. And I feel like the analogy that, I, that God gave me was that we've had a sledgehammer. And we've gone up to those gates and we've had people setting this stuff up every week. And we've had people leading small group every week. And we've had people singing and playing every week. And we've had people serving every week. And we've had people praying every week. And we've had people doing that week after week for seven years and taking this sledgehammer, sharing their faith, doing outreaches and doing everything we could do to beat down the gates of hell. That's what's been happening for seven years. And if you've been one of those people, thank you. I mean, God bless you. Thank you for taking God's picture of the church very seriously and wanting to swing one of these things. I'll be careful. I've, I've, I've ran this scenario in my head lots of times 
And, and swinging that way would be a bad, bad idea. I figured that out. Thank you, Lisa. <laughs> but I can tell you what. People don't come out from those gates without somebody beating on them and helping them across. It just doesn't happen any other way. Somebody's got to swing one of these things. Somebody's got to take the time. Somebody's got to take the effort. Somebody's got to care enough. Somebody's got to be praying. Somebody's got to have a broken heart and say, man, it's worth going after them. You know what I felt like God's telling us? Sledgehammer served you well for seven years. Thanks for swinging it. That's good. But I want, you, I want to trade that in. Let's trade it in for a wrecking ball. Let's not just beat on those gates. Let's unhinge those gates. Let's knock them off the foundation. Let's see this community radically changed. Because God wants more than dozens, a dozen people coming to faith every year. He wants hundreds of people coming to faith every year. He wants students that have never felt love and have never been told, I love you, to know his love. I know that he does. He wants to save so many marriages in our community. I mean, he saved so many. He wants to save so many marriages in our community, guys. He wants our kids living in purity in this community, guys, and they're not. He wants every person in this community living with purpose and meaning and joy and fulfillment. And he has placed the church here to be his instrument to do just that, to help people live that way. In short, God wants to make it hard for the people of Jackson County to go to hell. He wants it hard for the people of this community to go to hell. It should be hard. They should be getting it from multiple places. They should be hearing it on the ball fields, and they should be hearing it in their neighborhood, and they should be drawn to church, and they should see things happening in the community and go, man, that church must really care. Those people must really believe what they believe. There must be something about those people that's different because, man, I just can't get away from it. It's, it's running me down. The present reality is, the present reality in our community is about 70 to 80% of people in this community do not know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. 70, you know how many that is? It's, it's 45,000 people in Jackson County don't know Jesus Christ. That means your little kid's ball club, there's 12 kids on it, 10 of them don't know Jesus. You think about that next time they line up. 10 of those 12 do not know him. And I just, I, there's a phrase that God gave me, and I've just got to share it with you that it's not okay anymore. It's not okay anymore. And I'm sorry, I'm going to pull it together. It's just not okay anymore that 10 of those 12 don't know Christ. It's not okay anymore. I've just become way too comfortable. I don't know about you, but I've become way too comfortable with accepting the way things are instead of challenging the way they are, instead of changing the way they are. It's not okay. It's just not okay anymore.
It's not okay that they don't have a relationship with God. It's not okay. I read an article. It's not okay that in our region of Georgia, we have the highest teen pregnancy rate in the state, in this part of the state. It's not okay anymore. It's not okay anymore. And the Hope Resource is doing what they can, but they need help. And real change like that doesn't change until Jesus Christ becomes a part of somebody's life. And so it's not okay anymore. Can we all agree that the present reality is not okay anymore? I mean, if we could walk out here this morning just knowing that one thing, hey, whatever we can say about today, what we've all agreed that it's not going to be okay anymore for us to just come and be church and do church and have church and not help change the present reality. It's not okay anymore. You say the problems are out there and there's all these problems there. Yeah, there's problems out there because there's problems in here and there's problems in other churches. And we're not being the church. Remember, we're, if Jesus is Captain America, we're rolling in tanks behind him doing something about the darkness in this place. And bullets, we might take bullets for this. People might not like us. I'm okay with that. How about you? Well, I've taken a hard look at myself too, and I think there's some things that we're going to do strategically in our church to help change and be more strategic about reaching our community. And uh, I need a volunteer. Let me see. Um, Mandy, would you mind? I knew you'd love this. Mandy just loves being in front of people, right? All right, Mandy. Just You don't have to say anything. All right, so that's good. So you guys have been coming to Crossroads how long? the entire seven years yeah almost from the very beginning um the first easter we were around your your husband kevin accepted christ yes and uh they've been part of our church ever since and they have been in community group and they've been in impact groups and they have served and they have led and they've done a lot of stuff here at our church and i'm so thankful for the jacksons um, but you know what we do? This has been our strategy. We help you get in small group and we help you grow and we help you serve. And some people we help move into leadership. And then we say, hey, you should really make disciples at your workplace and in your neighborhood and with your kids and with your friends. Lead them to Jesus and teach them Jesus and make disciples and make disciples. And we do all this training. And then we go, hey, Mandy, Kevin, we taught you all that stuff. Good luck. Go get them. Right? Give Manny a hand. I appreciate her standing up here. Now, can I say, I believe in an incarnational ministry. Each one of us should, should purpose and have the intent to have influence wherever God lands us, in our work, in our school, and in our neighbor. I believe in that. We're not going to change that. But here's what we are going to change. We, because we've been so focused on developing the individual, we've not had a good corporate strategy for disciple-making. And that's about to change. We're going to have a more, uh, a more common approach where we can all together be making disciples and being doing things that will impact our community together. How's that sound? Okay. Not all at once. Here's what we're going to do. Here's where I believe the Lord's leading us. There's three specific groups that we're going to go after in our community. We can't get everybody. We can't. But we can target three groups of people that I believe God's leading us to minister to. And I'm not even going to share them with you. It's all next week. That's all I'm talking about. That's right. 
Make you come back, Gina. You're going to come back now. (laughs) She's always here, but there's three groups of people that God is calling us to go after, and together we're going to go after them. We're going to pray for them, and we're going to love them, and we're going to minister to them, and by the grace of God, we're going to see life change happen in their lives. And I can't wait to share it with you next week. Now, here's the deal. (laughs) It takes vision like that to change a community, but it also takes resources. I'm going to just be as real as I can be with you guys. It takes resources. And so part of changing this sledgehammer to a wrecking ball is having a more focused corporate vision for how we're going to reach people and disciple people. And that's got to be a part of the equation. But the other part of the equation is we're going to move out of this facility into our own facility on our property in the next couple of years. That is part of how it's going to happen. Because the, com- the community we live in, there's nothing says, hey, you're legit and you might actually be around and my family might actually come by having your own place. That's just the reality of how it works. That's how it works. And so God says, listen, the facility's not the answer. It's just a tool. It's just part of how we're going to leverage our influence in this community is having a place for people to gather having a place for our students to gather, having a place for our adults to worship and our children to worship and have great environments for them to worship in. I mean, if we're going to be serious about reaching this community, it's going to take that, guys. It's going to take that. I can envision a place where students can come after school and hang out in a cafe-like place and they can sip on coffee and they can hang out with their friends and they get help with their schoolwork and one of you will be sitting there next to them and you'll become their friend and after a few weeks, you'll get to tell them about the thing that is most precious to you, your relationship with Jesus Christ and they'll, they'll cross over the line, they'll come out of that gate and they'll be a part of the family of God. Can you see that? Yeah. So here's what we got to do. We got to have both. We got to have vision and we got to have the right tools. We got to have vision and the right resources. And it's time that we get both of those. One or the other won't do the job all the way, will it? But both of them will do the job. So here's what I'd say. It's time we align God's vision and our resources to change what's happening in our community. It's time we align God's vision for our church and the resources to make a radical change in our community. You know, they told me about bamboo. You know much about bamboo, Chinese bamboo? Strong stuff. Well, what I learned about how bamboo grows is this is interesting. They say that you plant bamboo or it starts, it doesn't grow hardly at all. It's tiny and small and puny the first four years of its life. And you think, man, this thing isn't going anywhere. I got some shrubs in my yard like this. It's like, what are you doing? Grow. And you're waiting for it to grow, and the bamboo's not growing. After four years, I'd be, I'd be ready to chop it down. But there's something very powerfully happening underneath the surface those first four years. That bamboo is developing a strong network of roots that you and I can't see. And after those four years, its fifth year, it shoots up eight feet in one year. Guys, where that bamboo shoot? 
We have been laying a foundation. We've been building our roots. We've been doing the work God's called us to do. And we are on the verge of doing something that only God can do. I mean, see, lives radically changed. Go back to our passage. I know I went off on this thing. I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. I need you to see something. It's him who does the building, and it's his church. But he is asking us to go with him, isn't he? To overwhelm the gates of hell. I will build my church, that's you and I, and that church will overwhelm the gates of hell. I think we got that loud and clear today. I also want you to see that he says, on this rock, I will build my church. There's a lot of theological debate on what that rock is. A lot. I learned something the last few months. I don't think it's what everyone else thought. I read some uh, commentary that blew me away. This guy said this, Jesus took his disciples somewhere else to tell them this little story. This is so cool. And uh, he was about 30 miles from Galilee. Jesus did most of his ministry in Galilee. And he took them on a little field trip 30 miles away to a different town, Caesarea Philippi. He went there, had this little talk with the disciples, and then it doesn't have any record of him doing anything else there. And so he made this long trip, took his time away from the ministry and doing what he was doing, healing people, and he does this little thing with the disciples, and then they head home, and it begs the question, why in the world did he do it there? And he says, on this rock, I will build my church. You know what was at Caesarea Philippi? There was some worshiping happening there, but it wasn't the kind of worship you and I know. They worshiped a pagan Greek god named Pan there. And he would, they, it was believed that Pan was the, was the keeper of hell. He was the guardian of Hades, and he was one of the few gods that could actually move from earth into hell and back, and he could transport people back and forth. That was kind of his job. And on this rock, they'd gone to his worship site. There was a cave, and they did all these horrendous, detestable practices there, sacrificing people and animals. In the name of their God. And on that spot is where Jesus declares something. He says, on this rock, on the very gates of hell, this pagan, horrific, ungodly place, this is where I will build my church. Right next to the gates of hell. And it's going to overwhelm the gates of hell. See, we shouldn't be afraid of anything this community or Satan can throw at us. Jesus said, I want to build it right here. I don't want to build it somewhere safe. I don't want to build it somewhere far away. I want to build it where the pagans are. I want to build it where the people that are screwed up are. I want to build it right there in the lap of people that are so far from God, it would take a miracle for them to come to faith. And God says, let's go get them. That is my church. Jesus is saying, take the gospel to the least and the lost, to the very gates of hell, attack with reckless abandon, and help those hurting people that are all around us. They're all around us. I'm going to tell you two stories from my past week. I'm sitting in Kroger, and a little girl, she was, I think, 13 or 14 when we started this church. I've known her the whole time. She's been in this service a few times. She has had a horrific childhood. Terrible things happened to her. She sits down. And she says, uh, my daddy's about to die. My daddy's about to die. He wants to die. 
I said, does he have any faith? She says, the only time he ever told me about it, he says, if I can't touch it, I don't believe it. He's about to die. And I begged her. I said, if he'll, let, if he'll talk to me, I want to talk to him. She said, I'll ask. And I said, well, what about you? And her little boyfriend sat down. They're 20 years old. I said, what about you? Do you know the God that loves you? No. Can I tell you about him? Yeah. And I got to share the good news of Jesus Christ with this 20-year-old girl and this 20-year-old guy. And I finished. I drew it. You know me. If you've been in a small group, I got to draw. I like to draw it out. And I drew it out for him. I said, this is it. And Jesus Christ is the way. He came so you could be set free and have life and be forgiven. And all that you're looking for, the peace and the joy and everything you're longing for, he's got it. And if you have him, you'll get it. I said, would you make that decision today? He said, I'm not ready. I, I said, can I beg you? Make this choice. Please make this choice. And she said, um, I'm not going to today, but can I take this piece of paper with me? I said, oh, you can, yeah, please. And then I saw a guy at the grocery store. And I've known him from sports teams. He's a dad, one of the boys I've coached. And I said, man, what are you doing? How are you doing? Oh, I'm okay. And I said, well, what can I pray for you about? I don't even, I don't even normally ask that. And he says, man, I'm, I'm about to get divorced in 30 days. And I don't want to. And I said, they need help. I said, are you open to counseling? Oh, she's not open to that. Is there anything I can do? Just pray. And I walked away from that going, God, they are all, and he had a smile on his face, and he was putting on a good front, but he was dying inside. And I said, those are the people you've called us to help and reach. That's why we're here. If you'll close your eyes and bow your head, I just want to pray for us. God, I just thank you that all I've ever received back during this talk is that, that we're on board. God, that your people are game. That we don't want to just be the church or we just do church or have church or preach church or listen to church. We want to be the church and do what the church is supposed to do. God, I pray that that, that that would be our heart's desire here at Crossroads, that we will not let it be okay anymore for our, for our community to be going to hell. And it's not going to be okay anymore that so many kids are hurting inside and so many families are falling apart and so many people live without your joy and your peace and your love in their life. God, it's just not okay anymore. Father, if we're going to be honest, we realize it's going to cost us something. It's going to cost us to follow you there. But God, I pray you begin to show us what it would cost us if we don't follow you there. How much more costly it will be for us and for this community and for the people that are counting on us. The people that you've put in our sphere of influence, the people you've put us around us every day in this community, they're counting on us. Help us to weigh that out and say, it's worth it. I don't care if people call me a Jesus freak, I'm in. It doesn't matter because I'm not going to sit by anymore and do nothing. 
God, we want to commit ourselves to what you say the church is, that we are the church and you're going to build it. And by your grace and your strength and you leading the way, we're going to storm the gates of hell in this community. God, would you send your revival like only you can bring? God, would you open the hearts of hundreds and thousands of people in our community to have a radical, life-changing encounter with you, Lord Jesus? God, I want to be a part of a church that does that. I want to be a part of a movement that you say your church is a movement. I want to be a part of that, God. We want to be a part of that. Father, that's our prayer and our cry this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, the band's going to play here in just a second, but I want you to pull out a card. It's not your connection card, although we'd love for you to fill that out. There's another card that's specific to today. It says, Busting Hell Wide Open. This is for you to keep now. But as God spoke to you today or if he's speaking to you now and you've got something that says, you know what, it's not okay anymore and there's just a blank there, I want you to go ahead and tell God what's not okay anymore. Just from your own heart, there may be something you see that I haven't said. Say, hey, it's not okay anymore and just write it down, whatever God's telling you to write down. And then you put that somewhere, you see it every day. It's not okay anymore. And you flip that card over. We got three different things we're going to be doing this month because I don't want to just talk about being the church. Let's go be the church. All right. Uh, the 19th, we're going to do a gas buy down. We're going to pay down people's gasoline uh, um, uh, and uh, discount it for them. And then we're going to just get a chance to talk to them about the Lord. All right. On the 19th, it's going to be fun. The 26th, you guys met John Hubner uh, last week. He's starting a church in Gainesville. The 26th, we're going to send a team and go and help him do a block party and reach the 95% of people in apartment complexes that don't know Christ. All right, so you need to, you need to get on board with that. The 27th is a Sunday, and we're doing this series called Busting Hell Wide Open. You know what I'm going to preach on the 27th? Jesus and him crucified and him resurrected. So here's what we're going to do on the 27th. You bring, you go to the gates of hell, whoever that person is, and you invite them to be here on the 27th. I mean, you go to somebody you don't think is going to come, and you tell them, I want you here on the 27th because God's got a word for you. And we're going to just give them the great news of Jesus Christ, and we're going to see God do something here on the 27th. That's amazing. What if the whole world hears? Wouldn't that be great? Let's start right here. What if all of our county heard? That's what we're after. Hey, guys, thanks for putting up with me stumbling and bumbling and crying through this thing. Uh, I, it's just there's a lot of passion here. And uh, I'm, I'm encouraged that I, I'm sensing that there's shared passion, that this isn't my vision. This is God's vision for our church, and we share it together. I'm excited. About, thank you. And then God comes along and confirms it. Uh, I, I'm going to share. I asked for permission. Jan just came up to me and said, God gave her a vision a year ago uh, before she came back to this church. She's one of the old timers. Started with us a long time ago. And uh, she came back. This church was on mission trip for a long time and back. She said a year ago, God told her she was going to be running a coffee shop for students. Uh, what a coincidence. <laughs> You think God's up to something? <laughs> and then she handed me a check. <laughs> you love coffee? <laughs> we got our first patron. And then she handed me a check, which I could only say would be very sacrificial giving. Um, and so I don't have to tell you about the offering today. Jan was our example. 
She just handed, she said, this will get the building fund started. So let's pray. God, you had a great idea when you said, let's build a church. And let's build it so that the gates of hell cannot prevail. God, thank you for this church. Thank you for what you're doing here. Thank you for the sacrifice Jan made today. I want to echo that, God. Let the whole world can hear. That's our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.